Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back to the Sidelines podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode, I'm going to bring on a potential lottery pick and former Vanderbilt basketball player Darius Garland, and we're going to have a conversation uh, talking about his background coming back uh, from the injury that he suffered early during his only collegiate season. He tells me which three teams uh, he worked out for during the pre-draft process, and then he tells me that he is the best point guard prospect in the upcoming NBA draft. After that conversation with Darius, uh, I'm going to bring on my, my guy from Fox Sports, Conrad Company, and we're going to do a deep dive uh, into the, the NBA draft and, and specifically the top 10 players. So make sure you stick around for that. Before we get to both of those things, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines podcast. And the best way to do that is to go over Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Give me a rating. Give me a review. would love it to be five stars if you think this podcast is, is quality. Uh, you can also shoot me a, a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. Now let's jump to that interview with future lottery pick Darius Garland. Now let's welcome in future lottery pick and former Vanderbilt basketball player Darius Garland to the sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. Darius, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. How about you, man? Life is uh, life is great, and enjoying uh, enjoying some some weather and and getting uh, prepared for the the NBA draft next week. I'm sure uh, you're probably doing the same. <clears throat> yes, sir. Back in Nashville, hanging out with my family, my dad for Father's Day. Nice, nice. Well, how are you enjoying the whole uh, pre-draft process? Of course, I had some rough times in the beginning of the pre-draft, but now I'm back fully healthy on the court, working out every day. Awesome. Starting things in person. Awesome. Well, we're going to get back to that in a second. Uh, I want to talk uh, with you a little bit about what went on through your college season. I know five games into the to the year, uh, you had that season-ending knee injury. Uh, I guess walk me through that, Darius. How, how how did you deal with that? I mean, it was a lot of tough times, but I mean, I just got over the hump. Everybody faces adversity, so I mean, that was that's the first big adversity that I hit in my career. So it's the first of many but hopefully it's not. <laughs> right. What, what was that road to recovery like for you, and, and what did it all entail? Just, I mean, there was a lot of hard times, like I said, but just being patient. Uh, my family was right beside me the whole way, so it was fun just having them around and just having long talks with them. And, I mean, they just helped me throughout the whole process. No, no, you, you played five games. Uh, and then you went down with that that injury, and then you had surgery. Uh, how long from when you had that surgery um, until you were able to to get back on the court and, and really start going full speed? Just a couple months after. I mean, I always had a ball in my hand throughout the whole process. So, I mean, just getting me on the court, I was easy for me. Were you able to work on some things, you know, like ball handling or, or other things uh, during that process when you couldn't get up and down the court? Yeah, I was working on stationary ball handling and uh, watching a lot of film and just doing things that just help me with the game when I get to the NBA or stuff that just help me get better as myself. What's maybe the biggest uh, biggest thing you learned from going through that process and through the injury and, and the recovery process? Just to stay patient. I mean, it was a long time for me to – well, it wasn't as long, but 
I mean, not being on the court for a while is for someone who really loves the game. It's really hard. But the biggest thing is just to stay patient and just trust the process. And I knew I was going to get 100% again, so I always had that in the back of my mind. So just staying patient was the biggest deal. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your game a little. And, and as you know, I, I've been watching you since uh, early in your high school career and uh, obviously know your game pretty well. But for those that weren't able to see one of your college games this year, uh, Darius, describe your game for me. When you're rocking and rolling on the court, what, what are you doing? Um, first of all, I'm a leader on the floor. I like to get my teammates involved. I like to shoot it. I mean, I think I'm really fun to watch as a player, bringing excitement to the crowd. And um, I just do what I do best. What's the next step in your development in terms of um, this pre-draft process? I know you've been getting in the gym and, and working out. What's maybe uh, the focal point of your workouts in terms of what you want to get better at and what you want to kind of hone in on? I still want to sharpen up all the things that I had a good amount of like good feel for, such as pick and roll game, um, shooting off the dribble, catch and shoot, spot up shots, ball handling, um, pick and roll reads, and just things of that nature. You know the the position uh, that you're going to play in the NBA, uh, a primary ball handler, a point guard, has really changed a lot over the last couple years. A guy like you that that can make shots from long range, but can also get in and distribute. Your strengths seem to fit the way that position uh, is going. How do you see your, your game fitting into the NBA level, and, and how do you see those strengths uh, going going on to the NBA? I think it fits perfect. Like you said, the game is really changing to a point guard that can really shoot off the dribble and especially expand like his range. So it's going to be harder for bigs to guard off the pick and roll if you can shoot it well. And then especially if you have a tight hand, you can get whatever you want and just distribute the ball well. You know, there's one thing that I've always admired about your game, and it's your ability to, to change your speeds and be able to play with pace and at different speeds. How, how were you able to develop that so early in your career? Uh, my dad always told me don't play at one speed. Don't go 100 miles an hour. So I always had that in the back of my mind in games just to change speeds and keep your defender off balance. Now there's, uh, there's some other really good players uh, at your position at the top of this draft, guys like John ja Morant and, and Kobe White. How do you see yourself stacking up with the other point guards in this draft? Um, there's some really good point guards in that draft, but I humbly say this. I think that I'm the best point guard in the draft. I mean, I played five games, and I think I could have showcased a lot more of what I can do if I played the whole season, but I'm a humble kid, so I'll say that I'm one of the best in the draft. You know, all, th- all three of the, the – you and, and John Morant and Kobe White are all projected to go in the, the top ten. And those two guys were kind of able to or, – or there's no doubt about it, they were able to, to use this season to, to raise their stock. Uh, unfortunately, you, you know, missed the majority of the year. Do you feel like you missed out on an opportunity there? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, just knowing that I could have played the whole season and done what I, I could have done, I mean – I think that that would have helped a lot. Yeah. What is this? Uh, what has this pre-draft process been been like for you? Where where have you been working out? Who have you been working out with? Where where have you kind of been spending your time? Um, I've been in, in LA uh, working out with Chris Johnson. I mean, I think those are one of the best trainers in the game. I mean, I think they helped me a lot. Have you this process? Have you been playing a lot of pickup and stuff out there? My agent won't let me. Rich won't let me play pickup yet. So, <laughs> I mean, if I could, I'd definitely be out there playing. Yeah. 
Now, I saw a video online of you working out with LeBron. How was that? Yeah, it's cool, I mean, Working out with one of the best that ever played the game is it's crazy just being in his presence. I mean, it's like a big brother to me, so it means a lot to me. Have you had the opportunity to kind of sit down with him and, and pull some advice from him? And, and if so, what, what has he kind of told you about not only this process but, but entering the NBA? Uh, just say it's take one day at a time, really. I mean, that's all he really tells me. He said it moves really fast. You're always on the go, so just take one day at a time and just change this moment, especially during the drive. I mean, it's a really big week for all of us. It's always been our dreams, so just take one day at a time and just cherish all the moments. What about from an on-the-court perspective? Has he given you any pointers uh, when, when you're working out uh, in the gym in, in terms of your game and areas for improvement? No, not really. I mean, when we're in the gym, we just always locked in on what we're trying to do and what we're trying to get better at. Are there any other point guards, um, whether it be in the NBA or in college, that, that you've been able to reach out to and kind of pull from and either work out with or, or you know, gather intel or information from? Um, no. I mean, I watch a lot of films, so I pick some of the pieces from other guys, but not that I've come in contact with. Right. W what guys do you watch the most film on? Uh, Damian Lillard, D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie, Steph. Uh, is our Rondo. It's a lot of guys. Yeah. Well, what about from a, a NBA team workouts perspective? How, how many of those workouts have you uh, have you done? Um, I've done a couple. That's it. Got it. Where all have you? Uh, where all have you gone? Lakers, Cleveland, and the Bulls. And the Bulls. What uh? What what was your best best team workout? Did you feel like you had one that was you know stood out above the others? Nah, I think all of them was great. Yeah. What are you what are you showing in those workouts? What do you think you're standing out with? Um, shooting ability, pick and roll ability, and just creating my own shot off yeah. the bounce. Yeah. So we're uh, we're just a couple of days away from from the draft. What what are you looking forward to the most this week? Just being with my peers on this this wonderful week. I mean, like I said, it's always been our dreams. So just being there in New York, it's it'll be crazy. Yeah. What what, uh, what what's your schedule look like this week? I'm sure you're you're going to be running around like like crazy. Yeah, um, I really don't know yet for sure. I'm trying to figure that out now. <laughs> well, you know, every every year uh, we see guys walk across the stage, and some are, are really flashy dressers. Where uh, where do you fall in that category? What what type of threads are you going to be rocking with on Thursday night? Um, it's not going to be super flashy, <laughs> but it's going to be totally different from a regular suit. Totally different. Okay. Yeah. What's uh, Darius outside of hoops, man? What, what's something that the world doesn't know about you that um, you know that maybe they should? What's something that the world doesn't know about Darius Garland? I'm a great kid. I'm a family guy. Love to be around my friends, family. I uh, really like to shop. Really into fashion. And other than that, I'm a low key guy. A lot of people <laughs> don't really see me out a lot. Awesome. Well, one one question I like to close out my podcast with Darius is, and I ask this that everybody comes on: if you weren't going to play basketball for a living or, or be in the world of basketball, what uh, what would you be doing with your life? I'll probably be playing baseball. Nice. Did you did you play uh, in middle school and high school? I didn't play in high school. I grew up playing baseball, and I stopped like seventh grade. Uh huh. Yeah, it was interfering with AAU basketball, and I was playing travel baseball as well. But baseball was my first love. Basketball. Wow, you got a favorite team? Cubs. Nice, nice, nice. Well, uh, Darius, man, I, I appreciate you taking out the time and, and jumping on the podcast. And uh, good luck this week uh, and enjoy it, man. And congratulations. You've, uh, you've certainly earned this opportunity. All right, thank you.
would certainly like to thank Darius Garland for taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. Enjoyed that conversation with him. Now, now I want to bring in uh, FS1 producer Conrad Company to help guide a, a conversation uh, about the NBA draft, the top players, the storylines. Uh, so Conrad, what's up, man? How are you? Man, the NBA just does not sleep, does it? <laughs> Never. Especially being in Los Angeles now and have the news yesterday breaking that Anthony Davis is going to be an L.A. Laker. It's absolutely madness out here. How have you been, though, man? Man, life is uh, life is good. Life is good. I was uh, at a, a recruiting event this past week, the MBPA Top 100 camp, and uh, now I'm prepping for the draft. I'm heading to, to New York, and uh, I'll be there for, for media day on Wednesday and, and the draft on Thursday. It's, it's honestly one of my favorite days of the year because it's – you know, these are kids that I've been following since they were freshmen and sophomores in high school. A lot of them, uh, like Darius especially, I, I've been watching him since he was a, uh, very young. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a fun day because you, you watch these kids that you've covered and you've watched over a long period of time, kind of see their dreams uh, come true right before your eyes. So I, I'm pretty excited about uh, heading off to New York and, and going to the draft. Yeah, man, I can't imagine the feelings that go into knowing all that hard work came to fruition and you finally get your chance at achieving your dream. I mean, for all these kids, this is the dream to play in the National Basketball Association. And let's get right into it. Let's dive into your top 10 prospects of the 2019 NBA draft. I think the obvious one, number one, is what we both know. It's Zion Williamson. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, easily the most talked about uh, prospect uh, heading into the NBA draft. We, we saw what he accomplished uh, at Duke. Uh, this past season, this is a kid at six foot six, two hundred and eighty five pounds, has a forty five inch max vertical, uh, explosive athleticism. Uh, I think he's a playmaker. Uh, I think among his strengths are his vision and passing ability, uh, his ability to finish at the rim. Uh, he has an elite motor, and he's a tremendous rebounder. And those are areas that I think he's certainly grown. Uh, since he was in high school. In terms of weaknesses, I think it really centers around his shooting, both long-range and mid-range. Those are the two areas um, that I, I would say uh, are, that he'll need to, to, to improve on uh, to reach his maximum uh, potential. You know, I, I think he got away in college with a little bit of a bully ball. Uh, I think he's going to enter the NBA, uh, even though he's, his brute strength is extremely impressive. These guys are going to have different level strength and different level bodies. Um, but I, I think this is a, a tremendous prospect and the best uh, prospect into the NBA draft since Anthony Davis. Yeah, definitely. But do you think that people are genuinely concerned that he might not ever have a jump shot like a Ben Simmons? Well, I mean, I think that's certainly a, a concern, uh, but I think he impacts the game in so many other ways um, with that athletic ability, the playmaking, um, the rebounding. If he didn't have all those other things, I think it would be even you know, a bigger concern. You know, he proved that he could make a couple shots. And he was 30, 33.8% from three uh, on 71 attempts um, this past season. But I, I do think it's the glaring weakness in his game. And, you know, there's, you know, by trade, uh, as a guy that evaluates players, I, I'm nitpicky. So it's always going to be uh, a concern. And, and you hope that he can get it to where it's, it's respectable. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's certainly a concern. But I think he just brings so many other positives to the table. Uh, and with that elite motor and athleticism and, and the physical style of basketball, uh, I think he's a guy that will be able to step into the NBA and, and uh, be a, a heavy uh, contributor right away. Do you think there's any concerns about his playing weight? Obviously, you and you've talked to Coach K about it, too, and just kind of seeing his transformation from high school to college where he was already big. But then when he finally started to hit the weight room, he kind of really, really started to get jacked. He looked big. As of right now, he would be the second heaviest player in the NBA. 
do you think that his weight is that's going to be a concern at all going forward? Um, I mean, it's hard to know. You know, I, obviously he, you know, when the whole shoe thing happened and you saw the torque uh, that, that, that he was able to produce in breaking that shoe, um, you wonder um, long term if, if carrying that much weight could be a hindrance in, in the long term. But I, I think you've got to look past all those things and, and look at the positives and look what he has brought to the table. Look, I, I missed on Zion once coming out of high school. Uh, I didn't fully see it, um, and it, it, I basically changed my mentality when it comes to him and, and even a, a number of guys. Instead of focusing on what he can't do, uh, like the shooting or um, the biggest question mark, like or one of the biggest question marks is, is the carrying of the weight, uh, I've really tried to focus on what he can do and what he does bring to the table. Um, and like I said, I think he's the best prospect to enter the NBA draft uh, since Anthony Davis. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's probably where I stand with him. Definitely. Well, congratulations, Pelican fans. Sounds like you're getting a good one. That's for sure. Now, we're going to move <laughs> on to your second prospect, a name that I'm sure people in the NBA are going to become a very well-known player here in a couple of years, if not this year, John Morant. How do you feel about him going into the NBA? Yeah, I mean, this is a kid that um, coming out of high school was, was unranked, unknown, played for a small AAU team. Uh, didn't play on a big platform, and he actually has a really unique story uh, and cool story. I know we've talked about it on here before, but um, the then assistant, uh, James Kane of Murray State at the time, uh, was walking to the snack bar to get some popcorn, and he saw Ja Morant warming up on the sidelines and in the layup lines. He ended up sticking around watching him, brought his head coach, Mac McMahon, in. Uh, they offered him. They eventually signed him, uh, and this kid has just progressed ever since. Um, I think when you're talking about strengths of John Morant, it's his playmaking ability. Uh, it's his vision and passing ability. It's the use of both hands as a passer. Uh, he's a tremendous passer off the live dribble. Uh, he plays with great pace. Uh, I think he operates pretty well in pick and roll situations, and there's a um, major upside um, there. He can make all those reads, all those passes, and then you get to his, you know, burst of speed and athletic ability at six foot three. Uh, he's got a 42 inch vertical, Conrad. So this is a really, really athletic kid. On the flip side, uh, in terms of weaknesses, uh, I think long range shooting is probably. Uh, number one, um, he's shown a little growth as a shooter, but he's not consistent by any means. Uh, and the other area that I would um, I would mention would be uh, turnovers. You know, this is a kid that uh, his usage rate was pretty high. He always had the ball in his hand, so you expect those turnover numbers to be a little higher. Yeah. Uh, but he can get a little careless with the ball at times, so I, I think that's probably a, a, an area um, that he'll need to focus on and, and spruce up. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Watching him in college over the, I think you brought it to my attention before the season started. You got to watch this kid. I mean, I think he was on everyone's top 10. Not kind that of like, quite high. Entering the season, I had him number 13. Um, I, I think people knew that he was, I, he was on the radar, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. But he wasn't thought of as the number two guy or the number one guy or the number three guy. He was more in that next tier. And, you know, like I was talking with Darius during our conversation, um, Ja, you really used this season to improve his stock. Darius yeah. obviously didn't get that opportunity. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think people are so enamored by bounce. And I think that you probably see that across gyms across the country. And I think that's probably why when it came to Zion, you said, yeah, this kid's a super athlete, but what else can you do to affect the game? And I think a lot of people see that with Ja, but people fail to realize, though, that Ja is the first person ever to average 20 points and 10 assists a game in college basketball. 
I mean, that's that's unbelievable. When I first read that stat, I did not believe it. I mean, think of all the players, accomplished players that have been through college basketball. He's the first ever to do it. The kid has great vision. He's he played with decent players, but I can't wait to see what he does in a more open floor in the NBA. And I think that's where he's really going to flourish because, man, he is fun to watch up and down the court. Let's move on to probably my favorite player in the NBA draft. Your number three prospect, R.J. Barrett. Yeah, RJ, uh, I have him number three on this board. And as you know, Conrad, and from from talking about him in the preseason, uh, he was the guy entering the year that everybody had number one on their list. And I think, assuming he goes three to the Knicks, uh, they're getting an NBA-ready guy. I actually had the opportunity to uh, watch him work out uh, with Drew Hanlon a couple weeks ago. And the, the thing that I noticed right out of the gate about Barrett was uh, his physical stature. I, I bet he's put on 10 to 15 pounds uh, since mm. the season, and he looked big and strong. This is a kid that's already 6'6". He's got a 6'9 wingspan, uh, so he's gaining strength. And I think uh, when we're talking about strengths with R.J. Barrett, it centers on his alpha dog mentality, which I love, his scoring ability, and his playmaking. Um, I, I think he operates well in pick and rolls. I think he has... Um, the potential to be a distributor because I think he can really pass. Now, his mentality is usually more score and attack and and, and aggressive style. Um, But then also I think he's an elite work ethic, and and we saw his jump shot this year um, only 30.8% from three on 237 attempts. Uh, But I think he's an elite worker, and I think it's uh, it's an area that he's going to continue to grow. I know he made some adjustments to his shot mechanics uh, during the pre-draft process uh, and has seen some success on it. So uh, those are the strengths. In terms of the weaknesses, it's really the consistency as a long-range shooter, as I mentioned. Uh, and then the lack of wiggle off the dribble, I think that's certainly an area that he could he could improve on. But I, I think you could make a case that R.J. Barrett is as NBA ready, NBA ready as any guy in this draft. And, um, you know, if Zion Williamson doesn't win Rookie of the Year, uh, I think you'd probably make a case that R.J. Barrett would be right there. To be 100% honest with you, I think R.J. Barrett is probably the most NBA ready guy in the draft. When I look at this top 10, He's the only lead dog I see. He's the only guy that I think you look at him and you go, this guy could change a culture. And you know what the Knicks need? They need a change in culture. This could be a situation where the Knicks could end up, I know they wanted Zion, they wanted the number one overall pick, but R.J. Barrett to New York could be the best fit for him because they need a culture change. And R.J. Barrett could be that lead dog to step in there with the third overall pick, just like Jason Tatum was to the Boston Celtics. He wasn't the first or second pick, but he was the right fit for that organization. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, if you're a Knicks fan, uh, you, you're maybe upset that you didn't win the Zion Williamson sweepstakes, but getting uh, R.J. Barrett at three, I think, is a big deal. And uh, as you know, we've discussed before, this is a pretty top-heavy draft, and, and those three prospects, in my mind, are, are clear head and shoulders above the rest. So uh, if you're a Knicks fan, you got to be pretty happy that you've got R.J. Barrett headed your way. Oh, you got to be excited. Like, likely. Like I said, I, I I can't think of enough great things to say about this kid. If from everything that I've heard and seen from him, he's going to be fantastic at the next level. Now let's move on to your number four prospect, the guy that you just interviewed in the first half of this uh, podcast, Darius Garland. Yeah, you know, Darius is, and you guys just heard him, and he's, um, you know, he's one of the kids on this list that I've been fortunate enough to be around quite a bit, and uh, what an awesome kid. Actually, let me rephrase that. Uh, three, two, one. Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, the world didn't get to see much of Darius Garland during this collegiate season, played just five games 
uh, at Vanderbilt. Um, I, I know his game well. I've been watching him forever. I went to Vanderbilt's pro day in the preseason where uh, he actually didn't shoot the ball well, but I thought he was absolutely tremendous in front of just about every NBA team. Uh, as I mentioned, he played just five games, but the numbers he put up in those five games, extremely impressive, over 16 points a game. Uh, nearly four rebounds and nearly three assists and 47.8 clip from three uh, on 23 attempts. I, I think uh, when you're talking about strengths with Darius Garland, one of the, the, the first ones would be shooting ability uh, and his potential as a shooter, um, not only from three, but also from mid-range. I think he plays with great pace. He's got tremendous touch on his runners and floaters. It's a kid that has developed uh, a middle game and can get to that area. And I just think he fits the, the, the NBA and the way the point guard position has gone in the NBA, uh, which Darius and I touched on um, earlier. And what I mean by that is just his blend of, of being able to score from the position but also create uh, decision-make, play and pick and rolls. Uh, I think his game really fits nicely uh, in the NBA. In terms of weaknesses, he's going to have to get stronger. Uh, that's among the biggest concerns. His body um, hasn't filled out yet, so uh, he's going to have to get stronger. And I, will, I, I should note that from high school to um, that NBA Pro Day where I saw him, I thought um, he added some, some good weight and his body was starting to develop, so certainly going in the right direction. Uh, I think he's got to value the ball a little more. He can get a little careless with the basketball in his hands. Um, consistency and uh, would probably be a, another area just across the board. Um, so I, I think he's a, a very good prospect. Uh, obviously, I have him as the number two point guard on the board. Um, if he had played this collegiate season, um, I think there's a chance he could have ended up higher on this list. Um, more of an intuition than anything just from watching his game and his development process. Uh, but I think this, the, that he's a, a really good prospect with, that, that really fits, uh, fits in the NBA. Coming into it, I, I've watched a bunch of tape on, on Darius just to kind of get a feel for his game and what it is. And I'm telling you, I see a young Kyrie Irving when I watch him play. Just the way that you talk about his pace, not only that, but he has a lot of ball handling skills. He has a deep range and jumper. I, I, I was very impressed with his game and just the clip that he shoots at, too. It's so pretty, the way he gets people off the dribble. It's so unfortunate we didn't get to see more of him when he played at Vanderbilt. It really is. Because you're right, he probably could have jumped off this list and he probably could have got to that number two spot, you know? We don't know that he could have gotten to two, but I just I just think – I mean, obviously, just playing five games, he lost out an opportunity to, to make that attempt, and it wouldn't have shocked me if he had, had – obviously, four or six or seven or wherever he goes in the draft because that seems to be his range, probably four to seven. Um, I think he probably could have improved his stock a little, but obviously it's still very high. Yeah, no doubt. Now let's move on to number five guy, a guy that – College basketball fans know very well because he was hoisting the national championship trophy at the end of the year. DeAndre Hunter, break it down for me. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter, and this is a guy that I know um, is maybe a tad higher on some lists. Uh, went for 27-9 and nine in that national championship game that you mentioned. Uh, this is a kid that redshirted his freshman year of college. He was an unheralded recruit. He wasn't a big name. Uh, he redshirted at Virginia and just developed. Uh, and he's turned into this versatile uh, forward that, you know, like I was talking about Garland, I think fits um, the NBA. He's 6'8", 225 pounds, uh, has a 7'2", wingspan. Um, in terms of strengths, I think this is a guy that excels on the defensive end. Uh, I think he's a very good athlete. He's got good lateral quickness and moves fluid, fluidly. Uh, good size for the position at 6'8". I mentioned the length. Um, and I think he's really grown as a shooter. 
Uh, and I think um, that's evident by his nearly 44% clip uh, on 105 attempts on the season. So I see this kid uh, as a really nice fit in the NBA as a 3 and D prospect because of his ability to shoot off the catch and his potential as a multi-positional defender. Uh, in terms of weaknesses, I think it starts with his ball handling. I don't think he's a very good ball handler, and he's a straight-line driver. So um, making plays off the dribble would certainly be uh, an area that he's going to have to continue to improve and get better. Yeah, well, everyone keeps saying this whole 3 and D thing, and I understand it. But in his situation, I look at him as like a D and 3. Where he's gonna bust, he's gonna he's gonna bust you on the defensive end, and then he'll help you on the offensive end. Obviously, the national championship game, he exploded. He obviously yep. was a difference maker on that team, and man, he really really played well, especially playing against Jared Colfer too. You know who is obviously known as being probably another top five, top ten pick in this draft. And man, like I said, D and three, that's where it's at for this guy. Moving on to another guy that I'm sure goes in the same category as three and D, Mr. Cameron Reddish. Yeah, he he certainly has that potential. I think he's arguably the most polarizing prospect uh, in the upcoming NBA draft because the truth is he's as naturally and physically gifted as any player uh, in this draft. 6'8", um, good length, impressive athlete. Uh, entering the season, Coach K told me that he was the best shooter on their team. Uh, didn't shoot it at a great clip on the season, 33.3%. Now, does that uh, surprise three. you that he didn't shoot yeah, that well this season? Yeah, I, I thought it I thought it would be higher than that. He did take a lot of attempts, 267 attempts. Um, but I, I did think it would be a little higher than that. And I think, uh, I think that he'll, he's a better shooter than that, that number um, dictates. Because I, I think one of his biggest strengths is his shooting ability off the catch. Obviously, his physical profile uh, has to be listed under his strength. I, I also think that he's a pretty good, has a pretty high skill level. Like He handles the ball pretty well for a kid that stands 6'8". Yeah. Uh, he's got a high IQ and can pass. But the weaknesses are what makes uh, him such a polarizing figure is um, the lack of killer instinct, Conrad. It's something that he's dealt with since his high school days. Uh, I'll never forget during his senior season, I watched him score 53 points in a game. And I left the game thinking he was the number one prospect in the class. Uh, and then the next time I saw him, he didn't score in double figures. And that's kind of wow. the, that's the story right there with Cameron Reddish. He is as talented as anyone in this draft, um, but he is so up and down, and that's really how he's always been. You can see him on one day, and, and he's a world beater, uh, and the next day he blends in. So I, I think that's the biggest thing for me with Cameron Reddish, um, the consistency and the lack of killer instinct, and will he ever – uh, develop that so um, he's obviously a tremendous prospect and I, I think he's a guy that um, probably prefers to not be the man on a team yeah uh, so I, I think pairing him with an NBA all-star would obviously be, uh, be be a be a good start I think he's fine being the second or third best player on a team and blending in and uh, because I think the upside with Cam Reddish is a Paul George type player um, yeah can he reach that ceiling um, I don't know. He, he obviously has a tremendous ceiling, but can he reach it is the biggest question. Yeah, you know, and watching a lot of his games at Duke this year, you're playing with two of the top prospects in the class. So you think you'd get more open looks. One thing I noticed a lot about when Cam Reddish would be shooting is that a lot of his shots, it's like almost he has that uh, that Carmelo shot range where he thinks any shot he takes is going to go in, whether it's his feet aren't planted, his, his shoulders aren't square. He's just he's that's launching. Me and, that's, that's me and pickup. 
<laughs> just out here launching. <laughs> but but watch, watching his game, you're right. The inconsistency really does show. And it seems like when he's knocking down the deep ball and when he makes it, when he sees the ball go through the hoop on the offensive end, he turns it on. And yep. it's like it's like once he starts getting the offensive game going, then he's completely engaged of what's happening inside the game. But if his shot isn't falling, you can see some really bad stat lines, like a one for nine, a one for 10 from three. And for sure, just like you mentioned before, when you play with prospects like this, I, I was expecting to see him have a better season shooting the ball because I thought he'd get more open shots. But a lot of the shots he was taking, though, were also very deep. He loves the deep ball. He pulls yeah, up from sure. deep a lot. Um, and I, I think I think you're right. He has tremendous upside. And it's very surprising that you actually compared him to Paul George because I've yet to hear you compare anyone like that. So uh, I'll put that one on the big board. Evan Daniel, first time comparing a player to someone else. There I we said go. that his ceiling was Paul George. <laughs> you know I hate comparisons. We've talked no, about no, this I on know. here before. Let's they move on. Me in trouble. Uh, well, <laughs> hey, man, I understand it. Moving on to the next kid. We got the kid from Texas Tech. Big-time sophomore. Big 12 player of the year, also in the national championship game. Jared Culver. Yeah, as you mentioned, um, Big 12 player of the year, I think, um, had really had a tremendous sophomore season. Uh, average 18.5 points a game, 6.5 rebounds, nearly 4 assists. Uh, with strengths with Jarrett Culver, I think it starts with his defense. He's a very active defender. Uh, he's got plus size length for the position, slides his feet well laterally. Um, I think he's a, a very good rebounder for a perimeter prospect. Uh, in terms of offense, uh, he's got good touch on his runners and floaters. He operates really well out of the mid post. Uh, and I think you can even use him as a facilitator playmaker coming off a ball screen. He's also a late bloomer. And this is a kid that's just 20 years old. Uh, and he wasn't a highly touted prospect coming out of high school. I actually was looking back at some of my old notes um, from seeing him. I saw him three times uh, during his high school season. It was in a three-month stretch. I saw him once in May, June, and July of 2016. He was playing with the AU team, uh, Nike Pro Skills. Uh, and the, one of the things I noted on my first time seeing him, I, I just said that he was really intriguing. And each time I saw him, uh, especially the last time I saw him at Peach Jam, uh, he didn't make shots, and he only played 16 minutes. Um, he was a tough evaluation. Looking back, I, I probably should have trusted my gut because I thought he was really intriguing. He just didn't produce. Um, but this is a kid that's, that's, that's really on the uptick. Uh, he's been developing at a quick rate. Uh, as a freshman, shot 38.2% from three. Uh, that tailed back quite a bit as a sophomore, just 30% on 161 attempts as a sophomore. Um, but I, I think he's got a lot of upside and potential. And um, the late bloomers are, are guys that I really like to roll the dice with because uh, uh, he's getting better and it's clear he's putting the time and effort in. I'm very interested to see going forward what people from Chris Beard's system are going to look like in the NBA. If you're not playing defense, you're not seeing the court first off. I mean, and defensively, Texas Tech was, I might be wrong, I think they were the best team in the country when it came to defense. Zimmer, Virginia. Yeah, I mean, they were they were definitely up there. And uh, offensively, man, he seemed to be like he could do it all. I mean, he got it going late in the national championship game. I think it was a situation where people were kind of waiting for it to happen. In the second half, he really started to put it on. That's when him and DeAndre Hunter started going back and forth. But Jared Colfer really has it all, in my opinion. He can do you up. I mean, he could probably guard positions almost one through four, probably one through three. He's long. And, I mean, he can create his own shot. And in the NBA, you have to be able to create your own shot. And he yep. and he's shown time and time again that he can do that. All right, now uh, let's move on to a guy that also very much under the radar coming this season and 
to be honest, a kid at North Carolina who we didn't think was going to be the best player coming out of his team this, for this draft. Kobe White. Yeah, Kobe White, uh, 19 years old, uh, six foot five, more combo guard than than a true point or a true shooting guard, um, and he's a guy that that was. Ranked number 26 overall in the 24-7 sports composite rankings coming out of high school. So he's raised his stock, uh, had a big-time freshman season, uh, over 16 points a game, four assists, nearly four rebounds. Um, strengths with him uh, starts with his speed. His end-to-end speed is tremendous. Um, now, I do think that he's going to have to develop a change of pace a little. He can get going almost too fast sometimes. Um, but with the ball, he is fast end-to-end. He's got good size for a primary Wait uh, one ball second. handler. Is he Ty Lawson fast? How fast are we talking? He's not Ty Lawson fast, but he's fast, man. This dude, this dude, he's, it's always been a strength of him. He's, just, he's got a quick first step. And some guys are almost faster when they have the ball in their hands, and I think he certainly won uh, that plays into that conversation. I couldn't believe how fast he was when I watched him play. Well, first off, watching him play and not knowing a ton about Kobe White before the season started, did not realize he was 6'5", how fast he was getting up and down the floor. Like right. He was like Russell Westbrook, Ty Lawson, zooming. And he gets around people, and then I found out the dude can shoot. He made quite a few threes this year as well. Well, that's, that's another area that he's improved on. Um, in terms of shooting, he was 35.5% from three on a lot of attempts, 232 attempts. Um, so it's certainly an area that he's progressed and got better at. Um, I think it's an area that he could continue to improve. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he can make shots. Um, I think he also has potential on the other end to be a really good defender because of that speed and athletic ability. Um, and also because I think his motor is tremendous. He wants to be good on both ends. He competes uh, on both ends. I just love the energy uh, that he plays with. On the flip side, in terms of areas for improvement, I think he gets a little careless with the basketball, and he's gotten to have to value the basketball a little more and get a little turnover prone at times. Some of that is when he starts playing too fast. Um, the, the shooting uh, is a little up and down. I think he could certainly improve his consistency and, and push out his range a little. Uh, and then this is a kid at 6'5 um, that has the same wingspan as his height at 6'5, and we all know how important length is uh, in the NBA. So those are probably the areas that I would point to as um, weaknesses. Yeah, definitely. Now, this is a little off topic, but do you think that point guards like himself have a better opportunity to showcase their skills in a move-up draft board playing with a loaded roster like North Carolina does compared to someone like John Morant who played at a mid-major? Well, one, you have to you have to produce and you have to uh, play well and show your skills. Um, but Kobe White had a lot of opportunity playing at North Carolina, playing in the ACC. Um, they're on big stages. Uh, they, they play against Duke a couple times a year. It plays on national television uh, all the time. Um, obviously, John Morant uh, was probably less of a household name uh, than he should have been because his freshman season at Murray State, he didn't have those opportunities. Now, obviously, John Morant got better, uh, but his situation on his team uh, changed. They lost uh, the, a point guard um, that was an all-league player and they lost him, and then John Morant comes back his, his second year, um, and he's better, uh, but he's a lot more productive. He's not necessarily sharing the ball. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is when you're at North Carolina, um, you're on the biggest stage, and you're on, you're on the biggest stage for the whole season. So there's certainly an opportunity uh, for you to be seen. Yeah, definitely. All right, man, well, let's move on to your number nine player. And your first international player on the board is... Sekou Dumboya. 
I nice. liked how you saved the, the name for me because you didn't want to butcher it. Yeah, I definitely did not want to do that. <laughs> so this kid, I think, has tremendous upside. I've actually seen him play in person a, um, a handful of times. The first time I saw him play, he was just 6'7". Um, that was more than two years ago. He is now up to 6'10", 230 pounds, uh, and he is a versatile prospect uh, out of France. Uh, France played in the French Pro League. Uh, <laughs> average eight points, over three rebounds a game, uh, 34% from three on 67 attempts in the French Pro League. Um, let's talk about his strengths. I think the biggest strength is just his size, athleticism, and versatility. He's got a really impressive uh, physical makeup. Uh, there's obviously been some growth over the past two years. Uh, I think uh, he has a chance to be a very good multi-positional defender. Slides his feet well, competes. Um, I think uh, he's got a lot of upside and potential as a rebounder. Uh, and I spoke to um, his trainer, Tyler Relf, uh, earlier this week, and, and he mentioned one of the areas that he's really seen growth from and that thinks his strength uh, is his footwork in the post. Uh, on the opposite end, the weaknesses, I think lack of consistency from shooting the three ball uh, is the biggest uh, area for growth and improvement. Now he's, he's shown some signs of improvement, um, but that's an area, and also ball handling uh, is an area that I would point to um, as an area for growth. I, I was talking to some NBA uh, scouts that have seen him quite a bit, especially recently, and, and the two comps they gave me, back to the comparisons, uh, comrade, the two comps they gave me were Pascal Siakam, who's obviously a big name right now, uh, yeah. had a, a big part in the NBA Finals, uh, and Torian Prince. Um, so those are the two guys that, that NBA scouts are liking him to, but I think he'll be the first international prospect taken, and uh, I think he's got a lot of potential and upside. I'm going to take your word on it. I can, I can barely pronounce the guy's name, so I'm just going to take your word on this one, all right? Let's move on to a guy that we actually talked about as being an up-and-coming, maybe a hidden gem in this uh, draft a couple months ago, before, obviously, he had a knee issue, uh, Jackson Hayes. Yeah, you know, I, I may have Jackson um, higher than most on this list. Uh, you know, he's, he's just 19 years old. He's just kind of blooming right before our eyes. You know, he never even had a, a recorded a double-double. Uh, during his season at Texas. So, like, you're getting a guy that um, is a very unfinished product. But I think his um, upside and his ceiling are tremendous. He's six foot 11, has a three, a seven, three and a half wingspan. Um, so, the physical tools, the physical makeup are there to go with that size and length. He's got good athletic ability. He races uh, end to end, he can really run. He's quick off his feet and, and, and reacts quickly. Uh, to plays and then offensively he's got some tools that to work with he's got good hands he's got nice touch around the basket um, and then I, I love the fact and I mentioned earlier that this is a late bloomer he hit a growth spurt uh, when he was in high school grew four inches from the end of his junior year summer till now uh, so still growing into his body I think he's gonna um, he's gonna have to get stronger and that's among the areas of uh, of, of improvement and weaknesses I think he lacks um, polish on the offensive end, and he's very limited as a post scorer. Um, and then I think, you know, his numbers, when you look at it from a rebounding standpoint, uh, were quite pedestrian uh, overall in the season last year, just five 
uh, rebounds a game. So you'd like to see um, him get better in that area. Uh, but I think he's a good fit for the NBA because of the rim running, athleticism, length, um, and his ability to switch out on ball screens and play a role as a lob catcher around the basket. So uh, I think in time he's going to be a really nice fit in the NBA. He's going to have to get stronger and, and just develop his game and mature a little. Uh, but there's a lot of upside with Jackson Hayes. Watching him in the Big 12 play, uh, he has tremendous timing on the defensive end. I, I was watching him just get shots that most athletes couldn't get to as far as blocking shots in the defensive end, and he was getting to a lot of balls. And then you mentioned about finishing around the rim. I know that he doesn't have maybe the back-to-the-basket game or be able to actually finish in the post, but it seemed like any time the ball was thrown up anywhere near the rim, he came down with it and he flushed it. Yeah, for sure. And, and you actually made a great point. I, I didn't say rim protection, and that's obviously an area um, that he can impact the game is, is affecting shots and getting the shots. Um, and that's certainly a strength. Now, right there is your top 10 players. So in order, you had Zion, John Morant, R.J. Barrett, Darius Garland, DeAndre Hunter, Cameron Reddish, Jarrett Culver, Kobe White, knocking, don't, still don't, how do you pronounce his name? Seku Dumboya. Nailed it. And then Jackson Hayes. I think that, that that's a pretty solid top 10. Now let's go into uh, the strengths and weaknesses of this entire draft class. Let's start with the strengths. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the strengths of this draft are, are in the forward position, um, and, and I'm referring to, to both small forwards and power forwards. You know, Zion Williamson is uh, very likely going to go number one, uh, but you've got some other good prospects in that group, DeAndre Hunter, Sekou Dumboya, Rui Hashimura. Uh, I think Kevin Gelly from Florida State is a really intriguing prospect. Brandon Clark is higher on a lot of lists than mine, um, and I guess you could put him at, at four or five. Um, but then there's some really good small forwards. Cam Reddish, we've talked about his upside and potential. Nazir Little's a pretty polarizing prospect coming off a pedestrian uh, freshman season uh, at North Carolina. But there's some good value picks there. Keldon Johnson, I think Casey Okapala um, has a lot of upside and maybe even undervalued in this draft. Cameron Johnson, who I could see playing maybe even some small ball four in the NBA, but likely a wing, is the best shooter in the draft. And, and there's a guy in Matisse Thibel. Um, that I think is a, a sleeper in this draft because of his ability to defend uh, and can really impact the game on that end. So that's where I would probably say the strength is. And the weakness, I, I would certainly say, starts with the center position. I don't the, – the center spot may not even get picked in the top ten. Um, but, you know, Jackson Hayes w- w- is the guy I have number one on that board. But after him, uh, it's Gogo, Batate, um, Bol Bol, uh, Daniel Gafford, Bruno Fernando. Uh, it's pretty light at the center spot. The next position I would say would be point guards. Uh, there's probably going to be three going in the top ten and John Morant, Darius Garland, and Kobe White. Uh, but after that, it might be a, a long time before we hear a point guard called. Carson Edwards is the next one on my list. Uh, I've got him uh, at 28 overall uh, on my big board. Uh, it's higher than, than, than I think most people have him, but I, I just like his scoring ability. It's a kid that um, can really make shots, and he's six foot with a six six wingspan. He's got length. He's got toughness. You love how competitive he is. Give me two potential sleepers from this NBA draft. Well, I, I think um, Fondu Cabangeli from Florida State is 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 certainly one at the top of my list. Um, I've got him number nineteen overall in my big board. Six ten, two hundred fifty five pounds, a seven three wingspan. He's extremely impressive physically. He's a very good athlete. He's mobile, quick off his feet. A very active rebounder, particularly on that offensive glass. 
Um, it was very productive at Florida State this past season in just 21 minutes a game. I think he's got good, good touch. He moves well laterally. He can guard fours and fives in the NBA. And there's some developing skill set offensively. Um, so I, I think Kevin Kelly is, is certainly a, a guy that I would put on the sleeper list. And um, a, another guy I would say is – Matisse Thibel from Washington, who I just mentioned because of that defensive potential. 6'6", with a 7-foot wingspan, was defensive player of the year in the Pac-12. Love the physical makeup. Um, I think he fits the league with potential as a 3 and D guy. Uh, shot it better uh, his junior year than he did his senior year. Um, and another guy I would throw into that, that category is Daniel Gafford. I think this time last year he was talked about as a top-10 pick. Um, I have him higher on my board than most, number 24 overall. Um, I think uh, the size, the length, the athleticism, the rim protection, the rim running, the rebounding, um, there's ability to impact the NBA there. So those would be the, the guys that I would, I would lean towards. Okay. Now what about the prospect with the most upside? Well, I think you have to go Zion Williamson. I think if yeah. he hits, if he develops a better jump shot, um, you know, we're talking about a, a very impactful player uh, in the NBA. We talked earlier about Cam Reddish being – um, just one of the more naturally physically gifted prospects in this draft. If he fully hits, if everything comes together, if that light fully flickers on uh, or turns on uh, and he develops a killer instinct, I mean, you can maybe make a case for him, but I'm certainly going with Sia Williamson. Got it. Got it. Let's move on to your 2019 NBA Rookie of the Year prediction. Even though <laughs> the NBA Finals ended last week and we still don't know who the Rookie of the Year is, give me your 2019 we look ahead. Well, you, you hit me with the stat that six of the last 11 rookies of the year have been the number one overall pick. Uh, I'm going to stick with that theme. Uh, I'm going to go with Zion Williamson. I think if anybody were to knock him off, it would be R.J. Barrett uh, because I think he's going to head into a place where he's going to uh, be given uh, free reign to go get buckets and get him on the regular, and I think he can do that. Uh, but I'm going to go with Zion Williamson. I, I think he impacts the game in so many different ways, uh, and I, I think he'll be next year's rookie of the year. I got you. I'm going to call my shot right now. R.J. Barrett is going to be your 2019 NBA Rookie Why? of the Year. I think he has a legitimate shot at getting this Knicks team to the playoffs. I mean, you got to look at it. The eighth seed in the Eastern Conference this year was basically playing 500. All right, look at the rest of the team he's playing with. Everyone is young. You have Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, Noah Vonley, who's who played really well last year. I mean, he, he was a top pick three or four years ago out of Indiana. And they have Mitchell Robinson protecting the paint. I think RJ is going to average 20 points a game this year. I mean, he led Duke in shot attempts, more shot attempts than anybody under Coach K over the past 20 years. What is he going to do when he has the ball in his hands at the NBA level? No, I, I think that's a great call. I think he very well could be that guy. I, I like the I like the pick. You just have more guts than me to to to, to make the call. But I, as well, it's, you know, it's easy you, going with Zion, man. It's easy going with Zion. I know it's the safe <laughs> pick. Well, Conrad, dude, I, I appreciate you uh, jumping on the podcast with me. I thought this was an awesome show. Darius was awesome. I uh, loved walking through uh, these players with you. So uh, thanks for thanks for coming on. Anytime, brother. This is De'Aaron Fox. Fox, who has his first 30-point game at Kentucky, has oh. two more for 32 on the night. Well, they said he was like John Wall. He is to the sideline with Evan Daniels. 
That was Conrad Company. Uh, also want to thank you all for listening to the Sidelines Podcast, and I uh, hope that you will continue to support the podcast. Uh, you can do that by going over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Uh, leave a rating. Leave a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. As always, thanks for listening, and have a great week.